Good morning. Uh, first time being uh, here this year, so it's, it's good to be together again. I um, don't know about you, but I had an expectancy and I was really looking forward to being here. Um, it's brilliant to, to be together again. Um, we've been uh, going through a series on uh, the Psalms, so today we're going to be looking at uh, Psalm 40. Um, which is my hope and my deliverer. Uh, if you've missed any of um, this series about the Psalms, uh, they're available on iTunes. Uh, you can have a look on the website. Um, or you could ask one of us and uh, perhaps Phil can uh, do something else for you if you'd like to go back to tapes or something like that. I'm sure that that might even be possible nowadays. Um, but I would recommend just to have a look at these. They have been brilliant. I have personally really enjoyed uh, looking at the Psalms. Psalms is one of the most popular books with Christians and non-Christians alike. Um, they're very, very well known. Um, I think most people would be able to quote at least part of one Psalm, perhaps. Uh, just this week, it's, it's hit the news. The book of Psalms uh, has, has hit our public news. Uh, there was a prison officer in America who's been suspended uh, because he highlighted what he called the Obama um, Psalm. What he did is that uh, he went to Psalm 109 and he highlighted the following words, let his days be few and let another take his office. <laughs> so uh, I don't think that he particularly liked uh, Obama. Um, following that, he went a little bit more extreme and he also highlighted the following words, may his children be fatherless and his wife a widow. So I think we can clearly see his views on Obama there. Uh, but the Psalms are so well known that they can even be taken out of context and can be uh, used in these ways. Um, we're going to look at it a bit more favourably today. Um, and actually, as we look through church history, we find that uh, the Psalms are viewed very, very highly. Uh, so Martin Luther, um, he says that in the Psalms, we look into the heart of every saint. We find every human emotion and experience in the Psalms, and we also find the psalmist's response to this. So whatever your situation, whatever your circumstance, go to the Psalms, and you will find someone else going through that experience and how they dealt with it. Uh, there's 150 chapters to the Psalms. We're not going to go through all of them, just Psalm 40. Uh, it makes Psalms the longest book in the Bible. David Pawson describes the book of Psalms as the hymn and prayer book of Israel. A vast amount of these Psalms are actually written by David, and the one that we'll be looking at today is actually written by him. Uh, they're intended to be read or to be sung aloud. Um, I'm going to disappoint you, I'm not going to sing that this morning. Um, I'm sorry, you know, but the place would be cleared within an instant. Uh, if we need to do that at the end, if we need the building cleared, I'm, I'm happy to do it. Um, I do have to say, though, that um, the psalm did have a greater impact on me personally when I did exactly that. When I just read it um, rather than reading it aloud, um, it didn't really hit me so much. But when I read it aloud, and then when I went one further, and when I sang it aloud in my front room, doors closed, windows closed, um, <laughs> soundproofed, um, actually, um, I found that it made much more sense to me. And it not only... <laughs> Uh, made sense, but it also sprung me into worship, and I found that I was spontaneously singing other songs as well. So can I make a recommendation to you um, to go away, look at the Psalms, and to actually do that? Uh, do it in your own room. Uh, Fleur knows that I struggle. I, I really don't like hearing my own voice, but actually um, I did that, and it just released me. So can I recommend that to other people as well? So let's have a look at Psalm 40 together. It's working. This is good. So, 
Uh, I've done it in nice big print because Nigel hasn't got his glasses on today. So uh, this is from the English Standard Version. So if you've got your Bible in front of you, this might be a slightly different uh, version to yours. I waited patiently for the Lord. He inclined to me and he heard my cry. He drew me up from the pit of destruction out of the miry bog and set my feet upon a rock, making my steps secure. He put a new song in my mouth. We've sung that today, haven't we? A song of praise to our God. Many will see and fear and put their trust in the Lord. Blessed is the man who makes the Lord his trust, who does not turn to the proud, to those who go astray after a lie. You have multiplied, O Lord my God, your wondrous deeds and your thoughts towards us. None can compare with you. I will proclaim and tell of them, yet they are more than can be told. In sacrifice and offering you have not delighted, but you have given me an open ear. Burnt offering and sin offering you have not required. Then I said, Behold, I have come. In the scroll of the book it is written of me. I delight to do your will, O my God. Your law is within my heart. I have told the glad news of deliverance in the great congregation. Behold, I have not restrained my lips, as you know, O Lord. I have not hidden your deliverance within my heart. I have spoken of your faithfulness and your salvation. I have not concealed your steadfast love and your faithfulness from the great congregation. As for you, O Lord, you will not restrain your mercy from me. Your steadfast love and your faithfulness will ever preserve me. There we are. I thought it would uh, fail at some point. Get it done early. For evils have encompassed me beyond number. My iniquities have overtaken me and I cannot see. They are more than the hairs of my head. My heart fails me. There we are. Be pleased, O Lord, to deliver me. O Lord, make haste to help me. Let those be put to shame and disappointed altogether who seek to snatch away my life. Let those be turned back and brought to dishonour who delight in my hurt. Let those be appalled because of their shame who say to me, Aha, aha. But may all who seek you rejoice and be glad in you. May those who love your salvation say continually, Great is the Lord. As for me, I am poor and needy, but the Lord takes thought of me. You are my help and my deliverer. Do not delay, oh my God. I know that was uh, quite long, but actually I felt it was important to read it in its entirety because that's how it was written. Um, As we look at this sermon, I want us to consider four questions. So, first, who is this psalm about? Secondly, how does it apply to us? Thirdly, how does it affect our worship? And then fourthly, how does it affect our evangelism? So, let's look at that first question then. Uh, The quick answer Uh, for who is the psalm about would be to say Jesus, us and David and simply just to move on to question two. Um, I can do that if you like but I think you'd like to know why I think that. Uh, This psalm at the top in your Bible it should say um, a psalm of David. Therefore we can conclude that it's something that's a prayer from him. Um, However as we see later there's also a significance for us in this psalm as well. 
Uh, For now, though, I want to focus on Jesus and how it applies to him. Uh, There's a number of Psalms that, although they have a personal application to the person who wrote them, they also have a prophetic element about about the Messiah, Jesus. Jesus confirms this in Luke 24, verse 44. He says, These are my words that I spoke to you while I was still with you, that everything written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms must be fulfilled. So we can conclude that actually there's prophecies that are in the Psalms that are about him, and he came to fulfill them. In Psalm 40, we find David talking not only of his own situation, but also of Jesus' life and his mission prophetically. I'd like to suggest that this psalm uh, particularly shows how Jesus uh, endured the cross. And one of the most compelling pieces of evidence um, that this is about Jesus is when it's repeated in Hebrews uh, chapter 10, verses 5 to 7. Um, con- he says this, Consequently, when Christ came into the world, he said, Sacrifices and offerings you have not desired, but a body have you prepared for me. In burnt offerings and sin offerings, you have taken no pleasure. Then I said, Behold, I have come to do your will, O God, as it is written of me in the scroll of the book. See, in Hebrews, we're finding that Jesus quoted part of this psalm that we've been looking at and owned it as being fulfilled through him. We also find a clear uh, description of the events that surround Jesus' crucifixion. Uh, This is towards the end of uh, the psalm. It's in verses 14 to 17. Um, Also, those verses are repeated in Psalm 70. David says here, Let those be put to shame and disappointed altogether who seek to snatch away my life. Let those be turned back and brought to dishonor who delight in my hurt. We find at the cross that there's a huge parallel with these. Uh, We find that the authorities and the rulers at the time thought that they were putting to death a troublemaker. Uh, Satan, above all others, actually thought that he'd succeeded in defeating Jesus. Uh, He probably gloated over him, as all of the others gloated. They all sought to take away Jesus' life, uh, but they were dumbfounded, they were undone, and they were amazed as Jesus rose victoriously from the grave. Uh, We also find in verse 15, Let those be appalled because of their shame who say to me, Sorry, who say to me, aha, aha. We find many mocked Jesus. Uh, He was spat on, he was beaten. As he approached the cross, we find that insults were thrown at him. Um, As he hung there, it got even worse for him. Uh, We find in Mark 15, verse 29 to 32, those who passed by him derided him. Wagging their heads, they said, aha, see that word's there. You who would destroy the temple and rebuild it in three days, save yourself and come down from the cross. So also the chief priests with the scribes mocked him to one another, saying, He saved others, he cannot save himself. Let the Christ, the King of Israel, come down now from the cross that we may see and believe. Those who were crucified with him also reviled him. So we see that in Matthew there's a parallel with this. Again, uh, we find that in verse 17, we're told, As for me, I am poor and needy, but the Lord takes thought of me. We see that actually there's a humanity to Jesus. Jesus was not born into a rich royal family, but rather he was born into a poor family. He was laid in a manger. He who is God, he who is the king of glory, 
became poor and needy among us. He was born as a baby and would have been as needy as any baby or small child that you see. Uh, It's such a mystery that he would come down and stoop down to earth, that he would come in this way. We find that he takes his confidence, though, because he knows that even in the midst of all of this, his Father in heaven takes thought of him. He must have such joy in the Father, and we're told that the Father has great joy in him. Uh, Finally, we find, you are my help and my deliverer. Do not delay, O my God. Jesus knew that in the midst of this, there was a confidence that he could have that God was his help and his deliverer. Jesus took great confidence in that. He knew the certainty of his power to deliver him. Jesus endured the cross because he knew what would come. So secondly then, how does this psalm apply to us? Because that's really what we want to know is uh, what significance does this have to us today? I believe that we can firstly see how much we need a saviour. Jesus becomes our help and our deliverer. Uh, we find uh, this amazing imagery in the verse 2. Again, we've sung a song like this. He drew me up from the pit of destruction out of the miry bog. Uh, the pit that is being referred to here can be likened to the prison of the day, which was basically um, a hole that was cut out of the ground. The only opening was the grid or the, uh, the top of this, so the, there was no way out for the prisoner. Uh, there was little light for them, Uh, as it was simply just a hole on the top of it. Um, It would have been full of mud and other not-so-pleasant substances that might have been left by other prisoners or by you. Uh, We find that it wouldn't have been a particularly nice place to have spent your time, and no one could escape from it. I guess perhaps the the closest resemblance we've got to that sort of situation recently has been uh, the mine last year, the, the Chilean mine. We find on uh, the 5th of August 2010, 33 miners were trapped in San Jose gold copper mine uh, out in Chile. Uh, There was a a cave-in and they were just trapped for for that period. Uh, They remained trapped for 69 days. Uh, They were finally rescued on the 31st of October. And I I think we all know uh, those sort of scenes. It was joyous as we saw these guys coming out. Uh, There was nothing that they could personally do to have got themselves out. They were trapped. Um, They could try and try, but there was no way they were going to get out. Um, And that's like the sort of uh, pit that you find here. It's a place that you could not get out of yourself. You needed someone to come and someone to save you. Uh, The Bible clearly says that we've all sinned, that we've all fallen short of the glory of God. Verse 12 also uh, emphasizes this as well. It says, my iniquities have overtaken me. I cannot see. They are more than the hairs of my head. My heart fails me. Our iniquities, our sins, the things that we do wrong, um, they stop us coming into the presence of God. Our sins are more than we could count. Uh, If you're like me, uh, you probably couldn't even keep a tally of even a day's worth of sins. Um, They are countless. They're more than the hairs of your head. But actually... Um, we find that they prevent us from coming into the presence of God as well. They trap us. We're stuck in this pit. There's no way we can get out ourselves. We need someone else to come and to rescue us. Just as uh, we see the rescuers came to to those who are in the mines, so we need a saviour. The Bible shows us that the wages of sin are death. 
Um, as such, we find that animals have been sacrificed on behalf of the Israelites in order to pay for the sins of the people. Uh, this involved a huge cleansing ceremony. Uh, it had to be done by a priest who was blameless. But we find in verse 6, In sacrifice and offering, you have not delighted. But you have given me an open ear. Burnt offering and sin offering, you have not required. See, the sacrifices that were made were only ever temporary. They had their worth for a time, but they never dealt with the long-term issue of sin. Another bull or another lamb would have to be slaughtered, would have to be sacrificed, because people kept on sinning. For me, I probably would have had to have bought my own farm in order to deal with my own sins. Um, However, we find an amazing thing here. In verse 7, we find, Behold, I have come. These are words of life to us. We are people who need rescuing. We're trapped. But along comes Jesus and he simply says, Behold, I have come. John the Baptist goes a little bit further in saying, Behold, the Lamb of God who comes to take away the sins of the world. See, Jesus knew his purpose. He came to be our saviour. Again, we've sung of that this morning. That's who Jesus is. That's who he came to be. He came to be our saviour. We were without a hope. We had nothing going for us. But then Jesus came. We find that God did not even send the representative. He didn't send someone to act on his behalf. But he became flesh himself. He was fully God and fully man. And he dwelt among us. I find it an incredible mystery that God became flesh. He laid aside his majesty. He came to live a perfect life. He was tempted in every way, but he never gave in. He was accused of blasphemy, uh, and he was nailed to a cross. On the cross, he took our place. We find that he became sin for us. He died the death we should have died, and then he rose victorious. I'm tongue-tied. He rose victoriously from the dead, and now he reigns. Again, we sung of that this morning. We sung of how he he rose, how he lives forever, how he's the one to be lifted on high. In doing that, he also rescued us. He rescued us out of that pit. Again, we find in our verses, set my feet upon a rock, making my steps secure. That is what Jesus has done for us. By coming to us, he's not just left us where we are. He lifted us out and he's put us on a solid ground. We're then told many will see and many will fear the Lord and put their trust in him. That's what we've done. We change from a place in verse 12 where our iniquities mean we cannot see to a place where Jesus opens our eyes so that we can see. When we see, we fear and we have a decision to make. Our decision is quite simple. Uh, Do we follow Jesus? Do we accept him or do we reject him? We're told here that the man who puts his trust in the Lord is blessed. He's the one who will rejoice and be glad. If we trust in the Lord, we have nothing to fear. Uh, If we, we go back to something like Psalm 20, we find that it tells us that some trust in chariots and some trust in horses, but I trust in the name of the Lord our God. See, what's the point in trusting in horses or chariots or cars, houses or money? Because what does it do? Eventually they'll break down or they'll fail. Uh, They won't be here forever. 
But actually trusting in the Lord your God is something that remains forever. He will make your steps secure. He will be your solid ground. Through famine, through hardship, through pain, your feet will be secure as you trust in the Lord. Uh, One of my friends uh, said to me, I trust in Liverpool Football Club. They will never let me down. Uh, That was prior to this season. Um, I think they've won something like, is it seven or something like that? Seven of their games this season, something ridiculous like that. And just yesterday they sacked their manager. Um, So they can't be that good, surely. Um, It was an interesting thing, just as an aside on Twitter yesterday. um, The trends, there was Roy Hodgson, who was the previous manager, and there was Kenny Daglish, who's taken over. Uh, were two of the trending topics on there. However, neither of the names were spelt correctly. So I don't know what that tells you about um, you know, the abilities of Liverpudlians to spell. So <laughs> I know it's been recorded. Perhaps just cut that bit for anyone who's a scouser. <laughs> or is it too late? Um, uh, there we go. That's why I need a sacrifice. <laughs> I know. But it it was interesting anyway. Um, But actually, what my friend said is completely wrong. You can't trust in Liverpool Football Club. Uh, I can't even trust in Cardiff City Football Club. Uh, You see that um, they will always fail you. Um, You might have some ups and downs, but actually you will have those downs in there. No football team will ever be able to provide for you. No football club will ever know you. No football club can save you from your sin. No football club is the same yesterday, today and forever. No football club is your help and your deliverer. But Jesus is all of these things and more. I am, I'm feeling the punishment about that Liverpool comment. It is huge. I'm not intending to drink all of that, by the way. So what has Jesus won for us? As well as victory over sin, death and sickness, he has also won us a relationship with God himself. We can say with David and with Jesus, my God. I find those words incredible. Uh, God is not impersonal, but actually we can say, my God. God offers you a personal relationship with him. Dr. Martin Lloyd-Jones marks this as a distinctive between uh, religion and Christianity. He remarks that religion is man searching for God, whereas Christianity is God seeking man. Jesus has done what we could never have done. We could never have atoned for ourselves, but now the curtain has been torn in two. We can now have a living relationship with God through Jesus. In this psalm, uh, we find some of the levels of that personal relationship. Uh, One of the most incredible bits I find is that description that God inclines his ear towards us. And as I was preparing this, I think that there's actually uh, some people who really need to hear that this morning. God inclines his ear towards you. He listens to your prayers. He hears your voice. He hears you as you come to him. And he inclines his ear to hear you. See, again, Twitter has kind of overtaken my life. Uh, Recently, um, I got a mention on Twitter from Rio Ferdinand, 
um, and also from Chris Akabusi. Um, I'll tell you about those later if you'd like to um, and show you the evidence of it. Um, I was pretty chuffed with myself for getting a, a mention by both of them. Um, however, what I quickly realised was that these celebrities don't know me. They don't think of me. Uh, they probably wouldn't incline their ear to me. If I was to pass them on the street, they wouldn't say, oh, there's Rupert. Um, they wouldn't think of me fondly. They don't know me at all. Uh, they probably don't even remember the day that they tweeted my name. God, however, thinks of us day and night. We're told wondrous are his thoughts towards us. We're told that he will not restrain his mercy, his steadfast love, and his faithfulness from us. And we're also told that he'll preserve us. I know which one I want to know me. This just gets better and better. Um, even now we find that the next question can pretty, pretty easily be answered if I put it up. How does this psalm affect our worship? I think, like I said, we can find many reasons to praise Jesus. He's rescued us. He's our help and he's our deliverer. Charles Spurgeon puts it like this. There is no maze to lose oneself in like the labyrinth of love. How sweet to be undone, overcome and overwhelmed by the astonishing grace of the Lord our God. When we look at the sacrifice that Jesus has paid for us and what he has done for us, what can we do but worship him? No wonder the book of Psalms is the longest book in the Bible. It's there because we have to worship God. Uh, when we look at him, it just compels us to worship. We were actually designed to worship. So let's fix our attention on the one who is worthy of our worship. All others will fail and falter. Liverpool Football Club, Cardiff City Football Club, even Wolves, um, even Bentleys, whatever you worship, they will all falter, they will all fail. <laughs> I'm making myself unpopular here, aren't I? <laughs> I'm glad there's a door over there that I can go through. <laughs> Actually, there's a lot to get through as I go through that door. But, uh, <laughs> but whatever... Whatever you enjoy, actually put it in a right place because it is not to be elevated above Jesus uh, because it will never provide for you in the way that he will. We're told in our passage that God has done many wondrous deeds. If we just think of a few and let our, our thoughts go to them, it, again, it stirs us in worship. When we think of creation, when we think of how God flung stars into space, when we think of how he separated the waters, when we think of how he made all living creatures, surely that's there's praise in our heart. When we think of his great provision through all generations, surely that stirs us. When we think of his great power and his might, surely that does something here. When we think of his tender love for you, surely that makes you want to worship. Or perhaps when we think of what we're looking at here, the wonder of the cross. We have many, many reasons to worship Jesus. Again, Spurgeon puts it beautifully. Uh, he says, let us not present worn out praise, but put life and soul and heart into every song, yeah. since we have new mercies every day and new beauties in the work and love of our Lord. Yeah. 
We've got so many reasons to worship. As we looked at earlier, God's thoughts of us are many. So let's at least give him a few back. No one can compare with him. We're limited in our uh, proclamation of him, but that shouldn't stop us trying. Just because we're limited doesn't mean that we shouldn't present just a, a few thoughts towards him. We're told in another psalm to not forget all his benefits. Where we spend our time and what we give our thoughts to will ultimately shape who we are. What we meditate on will affect our outlook. So I suggest let's meditate on his word, let's meditate on his wonders, his works, his grace, his love and his excellence. Make Jesus the object of your affection. See him, be glad in him, be glad in his salvation and you will be able to join with the psalmist in saying continually, great is the Lord. See, we're we're told um, elsewhere in the Bible to seek first the kingdom of God and all these should be added unto you. I actually want to suggest that in seeking Jesus, we will find that he is the greatest of all pleasures and we need nothing other than him. So can I encourage you? Let him be your passion. Let him be your joy. Let him be your all in all, your treasure. The chief end of man is to glorify God. So praise him. Do what you were designed to do. Rejoice for salvation is such a great thing to have been given to you. It is a free gift to you. Again, as we sung earlier, such grace has been lavished upon you. It changes your identity. It changes your status. It changes your destiny. Praise Jesus. Rejoice and be abundant. Love him. Delight in him. And join with the psalmist in singing a new song of praise to him. Our final point then, how does this psalm affect our evangelism? As we've seen earlier, um, we have great news to tell. We have a wonderful message to uh, to proclaim to the world. And again, we're going to do that on Thursday at Christianity Explored. It's the reason that we do this. Uh, We don't do it out of obligation, but we're doing this because we want to proclaim the wonders of God. We've got wonderful news to proclaim. Uh, In our psalm, we find that David says of the wondrous deeds that God has done, I will proclaim them, and I will tell of them, yet they are more than can be told. So I want to suggest that we should join with David, and we should proclaim and tell of the wondrous deeds of our God. Let's tell others of the wonderful rescue mission, and how he has redeemed us, and how he has ransomed us. Let's shout it from the rooftops. Let's tell everyone that we know. As we get stirred in our worship of Jesus, we'll join with David and we'll be able to say, I've told the glad news of deliverance in the the great congregation. Behold, I have not restrained my lips. As you know, O Lord, I have not hidden your deliverance within my heart. I've not spoken, sorry, I have spoken of your faithfulness and your salvation. I have not concealed your steadfast love and your faithfulness from the great congregation. Here the the, uh, great congregation can be translated as meaning the nations of the world. But this psalm was written before the word was preached to the the nations. So it's actually a prophecy about us sitting here today. That's pretty amazing. Now wouldn't it be great to join with David and have such a legacy? 
Wouldn't it be great to be known as a teller of the glad news of deliverance in the great congregation? I certainly would love to have that written on my gravestone. You know, I think that would be brilliant to be known. I think the important line here, though, is I've not restrained it from my lips. We see with David, the reason that he told others was because he was a worshipper of God. We find that he burst forth with praise. So he told others because it was bubbling here. If we fall in love with Jesus, if we meditate on him, if we meditate on his wonders, we can't keep it in. It's like, um, it's like a bottle of champagne. If we shake it, it has to come out. So worship Jesus, enjoy him, and you'll tell others. It's as simple as that. He meditated on God's words day and night. He sang new songs to him. He delighted in God. And as such, the praise bubbled out. And he told many, many people of the wonders of God. And that will be us as well. If we meditate on the cross, if we meditate on salvation, on God's love for us, on his character, on his goodness, his mercies, his greatness, we won't be able to restrain ourselves. We will join with David and tell of the glad news of deliverance and will help others to join in with us in saying, the Lord is my help and my deliverer. Uh, we're going to sing a song together in a moment. I'll pass this over to, to Phil. He might need to make it a bit bigger. But we find in summary, we were without hope. We were trapped in our sin. There was no way that we could save ourselves, but Jesus came as our saviour. We can now join with him and we can call him God, my God. We can have a personal relationship with him. God has done many wondrous deeds. And if we rejoice in these and meditate on them day and night, we will be transformed and have new songs in our mouth. We will, pro- we will declare the wonders to others and many will see his goodness as well. As you came in, you would have seen our huge banner, which says, come in, find Jesus, go out, tell others. Let that be who we are. If you know Jesus, enjoy him, worship him, and then go and tell others. If you don't know Jesus, then come and get to know him today. Worship him, and then go and tell others. We're going to close by worshipping Jesus together, because I think that that is good for us to do. Um, However, if you don't know Jesus, come and chat to me afterwards. I'd love to talk to you.